Well, I'm Lightfoot. This is George G. And the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, strong and powerful Carol Golden. Carol, are you ready to do this? I am. And thank you so much for inviting me. All right. Excited to have you on. Let's go. Carol is the executive director of the Specialty Centers of the National Association of Insurance and Financial Advisors. She is a author several times over. Her newest book is How to Not Tear Your Family Apart, a practical guide to caregiving and financial stability. Carol, excited to have you on. Tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work and why you do what you do. Well, actually, I started out as a translator, French to English, but there was a lot of international travel involved. So at some point, I decided I wanted to be a mom, and that meant actually staying put so I could date someone more than once every six months. So I decided to settle in. I was in New York City, actually in Manhattan, and um, I did have two children, and I started to work with a law firm in translating. They were doing estate planning. That led me to say, Okay, so we're doing these plans, and lo and behold, one of them blew up because the wife, who was only 53, needed extended care. Well, now, what was that going to do? We had arranged a lot of investments in a ladder, but as things progressed, we had to change the plan. And when you change the plan due to extended um, expenses, There's tax issues. There's legacy complications. So I started to look into what did I miss here? Well, over the years, I started to to study a lot of um, contracts, et cetera. Long story short, the more I read, the more disillusioned I became. So I started to work more and more in the area of extended and long-term care. And then I married, remarried, and now I had six children and a wonderful mother-in-law, but she was older. So I said to my husband, we should plan something. Well, long story short, he and his brother to this day do not speak. And the impact on the family led to the title of the books. How Not to Tear Your Family Apart, and the version that I did for the consumer, How Not to Pull Your Family Apart, which is just the story of a successful family that realizes that longevity is on us. What are we going to do that is not going to tear apart the physical, psychological, and financial stability of a plan, of a good financial plan. I appreciate you sharing that. Did did your husband and his brother not speak before or was it because? It was because the the um, my husband and I were in a different financial situation and uh, his brother uh, didn't have that kind of um, income and he was looking to the inheritance as his. My husband looked at this trust fund that we had for his mother as for her. So everything that we did 
in terms of situating her in an assisted living facility, et cetera, he talked about the expense, whereas my husband felt it was her fund and the money should be used for her. She didn't pass until she was almost 98. So a lot because she didn't have any insurance. It came out to be 1.25 that needed to be spent because when you're in a facility for 10 years and you gradually need more assistance, the cost goes up. But it was her fund. At the end of the day, but that was not the way that that your your brother-in-law saw it. And I wrote down perspective and I'm so I'm so glad it's such an interesting thing. There's this money, but that's supposed to be mine when 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 my mom passes away as my inheritance. So therefore any money that we're spending is these are expenses that are eating away at my eventual nest egg versus your and your husband's perspective, which was, hey, this is mom's money and we're going to use it and allocate it to however she's going to be most comfortable. Exactly. And that's not uncommon, to tell you the truth. Um, When you start looking at planning for longevity, you run into all kinds of blocks. The older people, for example, in the book, grandpa says, hey, I have been handling this for grandma and I our whole lives. Now, all of a sudden, you want to insert yourself so there's there's approaches that I developed by working with these families over the years. What works, what doesn't work. So I developed working with retirement people like yourself, three steps, and it doesn't matter which step they use, but you need to get the not only the conversation started, you need to get to continue it. And that's the hard part. Even if you can say, look, mom, dad, we love you. We want to know what the plan is. They're going to say, well, that that seems like it's my business. Or worse, when you have a mother-in-law like I did, and she does want the help, but you see your two sons battling each other. She used to tell me, and it's in the book, that takes all the oxygen out of the room. She said, I'll go to my grave faster if we can't get the boys to work together. I realized we had started too late. Have to start early. Your advisor, your financial advisor can act as a facilitator or if needed, he can be a mediator. But it's really the financial advisor that the first book was written for the financial advisor because there's 93 footnotes in there. If I'm talking about something, how do I research it in case it's not my specialty? In the second book, there are no footnotes. This is just so you can understand how to work well with your advisor because you need to get this done one way or another or frankly, it probably will, not only you run the risk of having your family torn apart, but the effects of the caregiver on the caregiver, 
I coined a phrase called the caregiving shadow system. 61% of people who work are also caregivers. And that affects their productivity. It affects their career. Now, if they're doing their 401k and they have to start pulling off, the average is 7,400 and change per year to help parents. That's, that's going to change their ability to work with their advisor as they would like to. So it's just got so many implications. The caregiver's lifespan is usually shortened. The financial impact, because we understand compounding. So if they have to stop investing or pull out of an investment, their retirement is seriously impacted along the way. There's no doubt about that. So 60 something percent, 60% of working adults are also caregivers in some capacity. That's that's a surprising, but once you think about it, that certainly does make sense. And on average of those people, they're funding, they're allocating $7,000 of their monies, some form or fashion towards that caregiving. Right. So if that's the average, you can imagine in some cases, it's very little, but in you know other cases where no planning has been done, taboo topic, mom and dad don't want to talk about this. Or frankly, what if you have a couple of sets of in-laws, you know, four people, or the complexity nowadays of marriages and the types of marriage. I, I think it's important we understand that the definition of families now is very personal and very varied. So this may be a brother or a sister that, you know, hasn't been too lucky with their health. The boomers aren't the healthiest cohort we have ever had. <laughs> so it could be that or the caregiver could be caught as the sandwich generation. They have children they're trying to put through college. They've started college funding. And then what do they say to their parents? I'm not I'm not going to help take care of you. So it's it's a very, very physical, psychological and financial problem that if we face the challenge early when it's not an emergency, it just seems to help in in so many ways like most problems isn't that the truth <laughs> an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure and certainly if we're not accustomed to having these kinds of conversations or doing this kind of planning they're just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger and, and we, we procrastinate more and more and more and that exacerbates the problem and yeah so it does it does that caring conversation, I think that that's an incredible term. Um, Thank you. And we build these things up on our head. And this is a difficult conversation. There's no two ways about that. But if I just know I have to have it, it's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. I'm going to avoid it more and more and more. But it doesn't have to be super complicated to to say, hey, mom, hey, dad, 
hey grandma, hey grandpa, can we have a conversation? What does that what does that look like? Well, in a lot of cases, I think like in the book, grandpa immediately gets defensive. So the granddaughter says to him, but grandpa, you've always been in control. You just said that you were always the one who took care. Well, if you don't tell us what it is that you want to happen, well, then mommy's going to have to make decisions for you. And that doesn't sound like it's something you want. So we're going to put together the care guide. That, of course, is step one. And in the care guide, grandpa, I'm going to do it. Mom's going to do it. And you're going to do it. It's going to be a family thing. We're not singling you out. And that's that's what I learned and what I put in the book. Don't single out someone like, oh, God, I don't know what I'm going to do if you get sick. It's going to interfere with my savings and my career. That's not a way to approach it, even if you feel that way. You know, not everybody has a great relationship with people, but longevity is here. So you have to think about, I've made this financial plan. How am I going to get my family involved? Well, you know, you do it inclusively. Otherwise, exclusively, we all know, well, my husband's brother still doesn't speak to us. We lost contact with our cousins, family functions, or they're not as much fun because not everybody is there. So in step one, you include in the book, there's a list and it's exhaustive. What are your passwords? Uh, what legal documentation do you have? That is what the care guide is about. It's not just grandpa. I want to know all your health history, although I'd like to know your specialist, because if something happens and we go to an emergency room, it'll delay things for them to discover everything. So for, for the younger ones, they did it electronically. There's a lot of safe places to electronically store all of these things. Grandpa's not having it. He didn't grow up with it. He's not doing it. So he puts it in an envelope and puts it somewhere sealed. Now he doesn't feel people are invading his. So you you have to look at ways to to be logical about it. And in step two, the care squad. Again, this is a way to avoid what my mother-in-law called all the air went out of the room. You say to people, look, there's um, our, our brother doesn't live anywhere near us, but he can be included because most of the bills come in electronically. So he can handle that. He doesn't have to feel like we've excluded him or he doesn't have a, a role to play. When you assign roles to family members, it avoids them getting hysterical. They may get hysterical anyway, but then you can say, you're supposed to start the tree call chain. You're supposed to be looking at establishing the billing thing. It, it works for everybody much better. And then, of course, the last step or any step is the care planning team. And that's the advisor. 
You want to work with them and and help. In the book, we assigned each family member a role to investigate because that allows financial advisors to be working with more than one generation. Because when something happens, they call you. (laughs) And if you have a relationship with the daughter or the best friend or whomever, it helps the financial advisor do a better, not a better job, but an easier role for everybody who is ultimately going to depend on the advisor to help them through so much of this. That's all really, really good stuff and extremely practical and 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 thoughtful. So thank you. Um, I wrote down, I, whether it's true or not, when when there's an emergency, um, you you I I remember learning that you need to point to somebody and tell them you call nine one one because otherwise you're just sort of all assuming that somebody's going to be doing something, and while right. this isn't. A, a, an immediate emergency, it is a very slow-moving emergency. Well, sometimes it's not so slow-moving. Because <laughs> unfortunately, um, if an elderly person falls, hmm. their chances of um, winding up in some sort of need position, whether a facility or someone coming in, but we all know from covid that there's very few people coming in. Another statistic I'll share with you is the cost for having a home health care aid or a simple homemaker. In one year, it went up t- over 10 percent. Wow. So the average, uh, when you look at um, the cost of care websites, the average is 27 plus change dollars per hour. Well, you can't find them for four hours anymore. They have charges for minimum six hours. They also, you're going to have to pay for their transportation, their meals. So, you know, if there is an emergency, Probably the financial planner is going to get a call because the first week or so, well, okay, but then it starts to really add up. And if they don't have a plan, well, it's much more difficult to do a plan when everybody is tense and upset. That is the absolute truth. So... I think that uh, again, thank you for for this important book, and and I, I I love a framework. So the three steps, I think that that's extremely helpful, and using stories to or examples to to illustrate, um, to sort of give character to what is very very abstract, getting older and needing care, and it's scary, and and it's all those things. So I think that this is really helpful. So thank you, and thank you so much for coming on. Where can people learn more about you and where can they get their copy of How Not to Pull Your Family Apart and How Not to Tear Your Family Apart, A Practical Guide to Caregiving and Financial Stability? I I have a website, www.thecaring.com. 
conversation.com. Excellent. That's it. Easy peasy. If you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Carol your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Go to thecaringconversation.com. And if you are a financial professional, pick up the guide or the book that is designed to help you and helping your clients. And if you are not a financial professional like most of us, uh, pick up your copy and put it to work in your family and make sure that you're going to avoid all of the major problems that Carol's been sharing with us today. Thanks again, Carol. Thank you so much. And until next time, remember, do your part by doing your best.